Church Online. Let's welcome our pastor, Chuck Brewer. All right, everybody. Super excited to be with you, especially on the topic we're going to cover tonight. And I'm super excited I get to do that with Pastor Noah. Uh, and welcome, Pastor Noah, right now. Okay. How many of you were here last week when God anointed him and he gave the invitation and people started coming crying? Um, it was, it was, if you didn't see that, you got to go back and watch it online. Powerful moment. Powerful moment. I love when God did that with you. Yeah, it was super special. It was really yeah, special. Huh? In a way that the invitation was in Spanish and English speakers came forward. It was it was awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, you're somebody who just ha- says, man, when the Holy Spirit starts moving, you know, you got to go, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you sensed it, but I sensed that he wasn't done. And you and I had talked before that there would be moments that we could exhort. But man, I just loved how God moved in people's hearts and it was totally a Holy Spirit moment. Oh, it, it really was. Yeah, it really was a total Holy Spirit moment. And we, you know what, is uh, we, we get that not just here. We get it when we're out in the world, right? Yeah. Like like a lot. Yes. Yeah, which is super, super cool. Well, uh, Crossroads Christian Church has core values that makes Crossroads Crossroads. Uh, It doesn't make us better than any other church. We we don't feel we're in competition with other churches. We believe we're the family of God together. But but we know what makes us us, and we highly value that. We believe it's a God-led thing. And so the first is we're expressive in our love for Christ. Uh, You know, so we really want to be expressive in our love for the Lord. The second is that we're passionate that God's word is the ultimate authority. Uh, And we're going to get to that one tonight. Uh, Third, we value people passionately. I mean, we just value people and love people. We love you guys. We love all you who are online. Uh, We love each other. Love you, bro. (laughs) And the third or the fourth is we're creative and fun which I hope we are. And and the fifth is we value excellence. By the way, those are in order of importance. So we're passionate that God's word is the ultimate authority. In a world like we're in today, there's a famine in the land. And Amos chapter 8 verse 11 says that there would be a famine in the land, but not of bread. It would be a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. And because of that, people will stagger from sea to sea. And the, the young, beautiful virgins will faint, and so will the strong young men. Now, here's what you need to know, as I believe with all my heart, that we are, the reason we're seeing a rise in anxiety, a rise in depression, is because there's an absence of the Word of God. It's just gone. And so what is the most important food you could eat, more important than in and out <laughs> more important, uh, would be to feast on God's Word. To feast on God's word. So we know this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. Uh, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. Of joints and marrow. Able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the word of God is active. Alive. And sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, you used to be in, a, in, in the gang life, right? Yes, I did. Oh, you didn't want to say that boy. Oh, I'm, 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 no, I'm an open book. I'm but like, where's he going with this? Yeah, I actually met you back before you, BC Noah. Yes. So imagine the BC Noah, the before Christ Noah, uh, was sitting here, and all of a sudden, in the middle of my talking with you, he jumped up in his hoodie, pulled out a knife, and started to attack me. 
Now, I think that in that moment, we'd be like all freaking out. I'd be freaking out. And I would have, we would have a lot of emotions going on in this room. Some would be yelling, stop. Some of you would be like, oh no, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, some of you would be wondering, is it staged? Some of you would say, is it Will Smith? No, not really. <laughs> But here's what I, I want to tell you. I would be feeling a lot of things. I can promise you one thing I wouldn't be feeling. I wouldn't have been, I won't be bored. I wouldn't be, oh, this is so boring. <laughs> Noah's attacking me again. Every Wednesday night, comes out with a knife. I'm getting, you know, you would not be bored. When you open the word of God that's sharper than a two-edged sword, you should never be bored. That's what I want to tell you. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. I'm going to get really honest, Pastor Chuck. Sometimes I get bored. Well, I'll tell you, I know the reason why, and it's not to put guilt on you. It's because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God comes alive and leaps off the page. And, and so Oswald Chambers, who uh, is one of the great leaders uh, uh, of the church that in the past, Oswald Chambers wrote a best-selling book called My Utmost for His Highest. And that'll guide you through God's Word. He said this. He said there was a time in his life that he felt that the Bible was the dullest, most uninspiring book he ever read. And he said, I, but I have to say this. He said, I was not finding any blessing in being a Christian. And I felt like if what I was experiencing as a Christian was what a Christian was supposed to experience, it was all fake, all a fraud, and I didn't know what to do with it. He said, I was tired, I was worn out, I didn't enjoy life. And then one day, he forced himself to read the Bible, and he read in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus said these words, if you ask the Father, he will give you the Holy Spirit. And so you know what he did? He asked the Father for the Holy Spirit. He just believed it, just believed it. And he said, from that moment on, it all changed. But especially the Bible. He said it began to leap off the page. It began to be so exciting to him. It began to be amazing. And so what happens? He began to discover uh, that the power of God's word is to be active, alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. So we do a theology interview for people to come on staff at our church. Uh, Noah, you do those. I do those. And uh, we ask people when we get to this uh, particular part on the Bible, we want to know three things. Things. They don't know, have to know the exact words, but we're looking for that answer to come. And uh, you already know what they are. They're the three P's that we're looking for when it comes to the Bible. So it's provided by God, protected by God, and profitable. All right. So yeah. say them again. Provi the, the Bible was provided by God, protected by God, and it's profitable. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible's provided by God. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19 says this. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention is to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. It says, but I know this first of all. Now, by the way, I want you to look at that thing. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. So let me tell you the myth or even the lie that the Bible was written by men. Now you might say, but wait a minute, weren't there men who wrote the Bible? Yes, but they wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That was not their message. It was God's message given to them. Uh, let me give you an illustration of that. 
Uh, Noah uh, at one time was doing full, two full-time jobs in our church, one in Sia, one leading out in our Spanish ministry, uh, doing a phenomenal job at both. Praise God today, we're allowing you to focus on Spanish. But here's what I want you to know. There were lots of times I'd, I'd call Noah in and say, hey, I need for Sia to know this. I need for Spanish to know this. Uh, right now, we have a major vision coming. I, I'll give you a hint. In October is when you get to hear it. You guys oh. haven't heard it yet. It's pretty powerful, yeah, it's huh? It's exciting. No, oh, it's really exciting. Let's tell them. No, not really. We're not going to tell Can them. Can I? No. Oh. <laughs> but you're getting ready to share it with the Spanish church in October, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. is I, The elders and I got a vision God had for us to bring to this church. I'm now sharing it with Noah. He's going to share it with Spanish, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Now, he'll do it differently than I will do it, but he'll still share the same message. Yeah, so ultimately, whatever the Lord put on our hearts, and I think that the point is that that's exactly how God inspired it, is that there's this inspiration that I get to go express it in the Spanish-speaking side of the church uh, before it was with the young adults so that we would be in alignment, but that, was, that vision was inspired by God. But I'm just bringing it from you to the church, just like the Lord brought it to the prophets so that we have the word of God. Right, and it's not your message. Nope. Yeah. By the way, we've done this multiple times since we worked together. And here's what you know about Noah. Noah always does it right. We we trust that it's going to get there in the correct way. Why? Because we believe it's such an important thing that we're in alignment with with the idea of what God has told us he wants us to do. Now, in the end... That's even more true of the Bible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit did the inspiration. In other words, the Holy Spirit entered people, and it wasn't their own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Did you see that? Not one part of the Bible was an act of the human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So Peter is telling you and I this. Everything you read in Scripture is God's message to you, God's, God's word to you, and that you and I need to cling to that and know that and understand that. David said it very clearly. David was inspired by God to write a huge section of the Old Testament. And it says, all this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing his hand upon me. Did you see what that is? His hand upon me and all the details of this pattern. Now, interestingly, he now is specifically talking about the temple. But David said the very intricate details I wrote down were because God's hand was upon me. He was guiding me. He was making sure what I wrote was what he wanted me to pass on. And so we know that all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, By the way, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think this is one of your favorite verses, isn't it? One of them. Yeah, it is. Why don't you go ahead and bring it to us? 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture, meaning Old and New Testament, the entirety of the Bible, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Yeah. Now, now I love how you, did you catch what Noah pointed out? It's all scripture. So it's all... The entirety of the Bible. The entirety of the Bible. In fact, when Paul wrote this, they only had the Old Testament to preach from. So he said all scripture. Um, the, the, the New Testament wasn't written yet. Well, a, yeah. lot of it, a lot of it, at least. Yeah, a lot of it. And actually, at this point, yeah, you're right. A lot of it hadn't even come yet. Here's the thing I want you to think about, because 
Uh, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited toward anybody, but there's a particular pastor that had been circulating a teaching that you and I should not read the Old Testament, study the Old Testament, or hold the Old Testament. And yet this was written, and Noah was so right. It, in this moment, it's directly applied to the Old Testament, but it also does apply to the New Testament. So we need to study everything. We need to know we want to have every part of that uh, be a part of who we are. We don't want to hire, we would not hire someone on staff that held that view. If they said, we're not supposed to read the Old Testament, we'd be like, man, love your brother, but we're going to love you from a distance. And, uh, you know, and, or, or sister, we would we'd do that too. But anyway, uh, but the idea is that's what we need to know. Now, the word inspired is a Greek word that actually means God breathed. God breathed. And so what's so interesting about that to me is if you know uh, uh, how God created Adam, God breathed life into Adam. That same word is the idea here. He breathed life into the scriptures and that's why they come alive and that's why they're so exciting to us. And it's the same idea. Genesis 2, 7 is where that said. It says, then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So when you're reading the Bible, let me just give you a quick encouragement. Don't just open it up and read. Call out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit's going to guide me. I pray the Holy Spirit's going to teach me. I pray the Holy Spirit's going to make this alive. I pray you're going to cause me to focus on the right things. And, and, and read it with God. By the way, if you read something you don't understand, actually say, Lord, I don't get it. What, what does it mean? And here's what I found. Are you ready? And you've had, how many times have you said that and then all of a sudden the answer came? Often. It happens often. I remember, I mean, if you guys get to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, probably one of the driest books you could read through, right? It's, it's naming and naming. I, I was sitting with the Lord. I'm like, what am I supposed to get out of this? And I realized that God was so strategic that he was preparing Israel and numbered them. And uh, he, they were about to go into war, so he needed to make sure that they were all prepared. And it was just incredible. It just leaped off the pages. Yeah, and it does that. And so that's what I want to tell you when we talk about alive. God wants to have an interactive moment with you or time with you where you do that and you're reading, you're saying, Lord, I don't know how I get this. And then not every time, but I'm going to say a lot of times, you're going to get the answer before you get a chance to ask a pastor or somebody, uh, even though we love to give answers to you. So the Bible's provided by God. Uh, it's, it, it, it's from God. It's for us. Now, here's the thing. God would not give you the Bible and not protect it. So the Bible's not only provided by God, it's protected by God. Because here's the other lie, here's the other thing that's said that's not true, and that is, well, God gave us the Bible, but men changed it. Now, by the way, how weak would God have to be if a bunch of men could change the Bible? See, he's not going to let that happen. God is all-powerful. God's all-knowing. Uh, God is the one who wants you to have this incredible gift from him. So he's not going to let people change it. So we need to understand that. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. He said, for truly I say unto you. By the way, I, I want to catch this word. Truly. He said, I'm telling you the truth. By the way, Jesus never lied. And, but he said, I'm telling you the truth. I say unto you, heaven and earth will pass away. Not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Until all is accomplished. And so he wanted us to know that. Now, 
The Bible originally was written on scrolls that looked a lot like this. Very, very similar to this. And they were very expensive, by the way. By the way, a scroll back in the day uh, of Jesus would cost, in our day and time, $20,000. And you would, you'd only get just maybe the book of Isaiah, or actually four scrolls to the book of Isaiah. Uh, the, the law would have taken more scrolls. And so they were very expensive, and so they were treated with incredible care. Then, I don't know if you can zoom in on this, I don't know how close we're seeing the lettering on this, but this is Hebrew. And what if you look at it, you can see there's strokes within the Hebrew that are on here. And Jesus said, not even the smallest stroke will be, will, will not be protected by God. It will be protected by God. And so what happened is when they had a uh, scroll, there were people called scribes. They were commissioned by God and, and an office they, want, they held because of God. And the scribe would copy these scrolls. Now, when they would copy them, here's the thing you need to know. They did everything they could to be exact to what they were copying so that every scroll was exactly copied correctly. Now, I'm not going to be able to... Here, hold this, Noah. Ready? You got it? All right. So when they did the copy, another scribe would come along. They would actually count and then count over. And if that, that lettering wasn't exactly the same they would, in most cases, destroy the whole scroll. They would just throw it, they would burn it. They wouldn't throw it out, they'd burn it. If there was a possibility that they thought, okay, no, we, we're still okay to protect this, they would make a notation, which is called a scribal error, but that wasn't done very often. Uh, and so they would do actually count down, count over. If that wasn't right, then the scroll was most of the time destroyed. Count down, count over. They would read it, read it, read it again before it was authenticated by the scribes as being exactly like what was written before. And so what we have is incredible understanding that what you have today is what was originally written and the copies we have today are copies that are very, very, very exact to the original writing that was given. And then here's what's wild. Then what occurred is that in 303, the Roman emperor uh, Diocletian declared that all of the Bible was to be destroyed. Now, when he said that, he wasn't talking about a book like you and I have. He said, I want all of the scrolls rounded up and destroyed. There were thousands of them scattered all throughout the world, but he wanted every single one wiped out. So what happened is people died for hiding these things. People died for protecting them. But then what happened is they began to hide them all over the known Roman Empire of that day, from uh, Egypt to Africa, uh, into the European area, uh, throughout the Mediterranean Sea, into the Middle East. They kept hiding these. And then what happened is he began actually to declare that he had destroyed the entire Bible. And he had a, an incredible celebration. Uh, their, their idea of saying, we destroyed Christianity. But then it wasn't that many years later that the Roman emperor, uh, uh, 21 years later, by the way, named Constantine, he declared Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And all these scrolls started surfacing. And when they began to surface, guess what we found out? They all agreed. So if someone said, well, the Bible's been changed, there were thousands of scrolls, they would have to go hunt them all down and change all of them. That's not even possible, would you agree? So in other words, God protected the word. The other thing you need to know is they forgot where they hid a lot of these scrolls. 
So even in the 50s, 60s, and possibly today, some of these scrolls will surface, and guess what we find? They all agree. They all agree. So can you be confident that what you're reading today is what was written in the original? You can be 100% confident. There's no possible way that it would not be accurate. So in Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. By the way, Diocletian passed away. He's dead, buried, ashes, but the word of God stands forever. And so what we know is that the Bible's been protected by God. For 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 says this, It says, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures how long? Forever, forever. And this is the word which we preach to you. So you know what? When you teach, I don't think you've ever wondered, is that the original, have you? Not even once, yeah. You haven't even questioned that. And so we have complete confidence that when we open up the Bible, we're reading God's word to you that was protected by God so that you would have it. Uh, By the way, I'm gonna go super fast on this one. But in 1946, there was one of the most amazing archeological finds that has ever occurred. It was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran. And what happened is a shepherd boy discovered in some jar pots scrolls. It was the entire Old Testament except for Esther and Nehemiah. And they were written 300 years before Christ. By the way, not only does this when in discovering these scrolls and, in, uh, and reading these scrolls show us that what we have today is what it was ex- uh, in, in co- exactly what they had then. There's something even more. Many of the prophecies, like for instance in Daniel, which had not been fulfilled, were written on scrolls that now predate their being given, which showed that Daniel was a prophet of God because they were fulfilled exactly. They were fulfilled exactly. So we know that God protected the Bible and he made it something for us to have. So the God Bible is provided by God, protected by God, and you already read the scripture, it's Profitable. profitable. Yeah, it's profitable. Uh, so Second Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 2 says this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the kingdom of God, in the knowledge of God. And Jesus our Lord, seeing, now don't miss this, that his divine power is granted to us, and I want you to see this word, everything. Oh, we never erase the word of God. Everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, don't miss what that says. This is incredible. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that you need to know about living life, everything is in the word of God. How to handle your finances. Uh, how to treat your children. Uh, By the way, how to treat your animals is in there for all you pet lovers. Uh, God actually tells you he'll judge you if you don't treat your animals correctly. Some of you, yeah, you didn't water your, no. Um, By the way, how to have sex correctly in marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, I'm gonna say this one. The fact that a baby's a baby, whether in the womb or outside the womb, and it needs to be protected is in the Bible. And 
Everything about friendship, everything about how to relate to God, everything about, uh, uh, by the way, agriculture, how to plant fields correctly, and how to do agriculture in a way that's more effective so that we actually treat the environment the way God would want us to treat it. So all, everything that pertains to life and godliness is in the Bible. Uh, by the way, one of them is how I should treat Noah uh, if I'm, you know, the person who God has put in my, so I have a, a you know, I'm, I'm his boss. Uh, and so God's very clear about that. And by the way, the Bible tells me very clearly that I should never let his paycheck be late. That's a good command. It is. It's a really good one, yeah. And, and that, that he should be paid fairly is actually in scripture. Uh, and so, you know, everything, everything, everything is in there, uh, which brings us back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable. It's all profitable. Hey, when's the time where it became profitable to you? I mean, there are many, but what, name one that kind of comes to mind. Man, there's so many, like, like you said, there's so many instances, but um, I, uh, I can go back. Um, I would say, I could, I could name two moments. One of them, when I was being called into ministry, I sensed that God was calling me. And uh, I had no idea what that meant. I thought I was going to be a missionary in China. I thought I was going to be out of here. And in John chapter 4, I was spending time with the Lord. The scriptures just jumped off the page. And uh, uh, in John chapter 4, I'm just going to read it. Um, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. I'm like, okay, I get that. I'm, I feel like you're calling me into ministry. Uh, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? And this is what stood out to me. He said, behold. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. And in that moment, I realized that I didn't have to go overseas, that the opportunity was right in front of me. And it was about a week and a half later, I was in your office and you were letting me know that you were gonna bring me on staff to become one of the pastors here at Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and another time, I guess this one's more, both of them are personal, but when my, when my brother passed away, I... Uh, was grieving, obviously, and went through uh, that season. But uh, I remember I was in John chapter 11, and there's a story of where Jesus actually wept over one of his best friends dying. And it says Jesus wept. It said he got angry, and he wept. And in that moment, I, uh, I understood that God understood my hurt and my pain, and that it was okay for me to be mad, and it was okay for me to cry. Like, if anyone knew about heaven, it was Jesus. And he never once said, oh, he's in a better place. <laughs> Or he's dancing with my father in heaven. No, it said he wept and he cried. And for me, I just saw that the Lord saw me and he understood my pain. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I wanna kind of camp on that, uh, camp out on that a little bit. Uh, for all of you know, that, that wasn't that long ago about your brother, right? No, two and a half years ago. Yeah, two and a half years ago. You're a pastor on staff here. Mm -hmm. You've known the Lord now a while. And um, in that moment, you know, you 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 were just overwhelmed with grief, which mm -hmm. just happens, right? Yeah. We live that way, and, and we do get mad, and we do hurt, and, and God cares and loves. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things I love about Scripture is Scripture teaches us that God is near the brokenhearted. Yeah. So he was near you in that oh, yeah, time. I felt his presence through the church and through the Word, and just physically, it was a vivid promise that he draws near the brokenhearted. And yeah, and I think it's super important for you to be able to share freely that I... I, I value, number one, that you're an authentic guy. Mm -hmm. And you, you didn't hide anything from us. You didn't mm -hmm. walk in and pretend everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what? I, I hope we made this a safe place mm -hmm. for you to do that. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the word of God actually brings that out. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, you see people hurting. You see people rejoicing. Mm -hmm. In the Bible, you see people failing. Uh, in the Bible, you see Paul 
and Elijah both went through a time of depression. Yeah. And, and God brought them through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, for Elijah, I think it was longer than what a quick reading would show. I think it was probably a while yeah. that he, he experienced that. Um, and, and so what we want to do is we want to just be, be real with God and real with each other and understand, you know, that the hurts and pains. Um, for me, something that was really profitable is when my oldest son, Rich, fell away from the Lord. And um, I sat and wondered, okay, wait, what kind of pastor am I? Mm-hmm. And I opened up God's word and started studying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? If you were here Sunday, I shared with you that the elders of Christ Church of the Valley, where I was a pastor when this happened, um, I told them, hey, I'll, I'll resign. And they said, no, you won't. You're not, no, we're not going to let that happen. But I thought, can I be a pastor? And God brought, brought me an awareness through studying scripture that Moses' children, as far as we know, weren't walking with the Lord. David's children for sure weren't. By the way, most of them for sure weren't. And uh, Samuel's children weren't. As a matter of fact, Samuel's children were so far away from walking for, with God that, that when it looked like he was going to die, the people came and said, we got to have a king because we can't have your sons uh, in that role. And the Lord began to show me, hey, Chuck, I, I work with broken people. I, I help broken people. And, you know, there's only going to be one perfect person, and that's Jesus. Yeah. So just be honest about your hurt, your pain, and just go serve with all your heart. And I'll tell you what really hit me that was interesting. Uh, it was in the midst of that season, a lady, lady came up to me, very cold, and looked at me and said, you don't deserve to be a pastor. And I looked at her and said, you are so right. I mean, you, you're, I don't, and I said, if I deserve to be a pastor, I, I would be lying to you. I don't know that we deserve to be no. pastors. It's the grace of God. And by the way, all of you out there, it's the grace of God. And we want you guys to know that. By the way, Christianity teaches that Jesus is perfect, not us. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So what we need to understand is the Bible's profitable uh, in four ways. One, for teaching. Uh, the Word is filled with truths that will transform us and show us how to live. Uh, and so I always am going to the Word. You're always going to the Word. Having God teach us how to live our life. And so it says this in First uh, John, or John chapter 8, verse 31, where it says this. It says, so Jesus was saying to those who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the word of God teaches you and it teaches you how to live a life where you're gonna have freedom and, and experience things that are amazing. Remember, I already told you in Second Peter, it says that it gives you everything that's needed for life and godliness. Everything that's needed for life and godliness. So everything you wanna do in your life, you wanna go to God's word and, and learn how to live that. Uh, one, one of those is, by the way, how a husband should treat his wife is in the scripture. How a wife should treat her husband. By the way, this Sunday, uh, we're going to do winning at relationships. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 and show what God says about how the husband and wife are to interact together and how you can have a, a not a good marriage, a great marriage. And so God's word does that. The second way God's word is profitable to us is it brings reproof. It brings reproof. And it's a Greek word that means strong disapproval so strong that it's convicting. And uh, there are a lot of times I read the word and, and I get convicted. Yeah, you too, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a lot, yeah. And so uh, we need to understand that. Uh, and so in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, 
Uh, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. By the way, it doesn't mean she's weaker. It means you treat her gently. And uh, since she is a woman, uh, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Pam and I were having a fight one time. And so what happened is I was real, so mad at her, I just walked out of the room. I just walked out. And I went and sat in our, our bedroom, and I thought, I am not going to come out. I am not going to say a word to her until she comes in and says it first. So I'm sitting in there. It's like 30 minutes. It's an hour. Pam hasn't come in. So I thought, well, I need to do my quiet time. So I opened the Bible and read that verse. And the Holy Spirit was just saying, you know, you got to go talk to her. And I read the verse again. And I got to be honest, I felt like I could not read anything beyond that. It was like the Lord, he said, you read it again. You read it again. So I thought, okay, Lord, I've got to go treat her in an understanding way. So I got up and I walked out and I looked at Pam and I said, Pam, I'm sorry. And she looked at me and goes, that's okay. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're supposed to say me too. She didn't say me too. She wasn't going to give in. But the Lord said, I need to treat her in an understanding way. I need to treat her gently. I need to show her honor. Uh, by the way, isn't it interesting? Don't miss this one. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of God. In other words, in the kingdom of God, men and women are equal. Uh, there are some people who try to act like that's not true, but they are equal, and men are, especially husbands, are to honor their wives. When this was written, uh, this is in a culture where a wife was a possession at best. And, and God is saying, don't you dare treat her that way because she's my daughter and you better treat her the way you should. And so, you know what? He, the Lord was telling me, Chuck, if you don't get this right, your prayers are gonna be hindered. And, and I don't want anything to create a break between me and God. And so I had to, I had to humble myself. I had to own what I had done that's wrong and, and, and have that happen in my life. And then the third thing is the Bible says is it's for correction. It's for correction. Uh, and that word means to set right again. Uh, if you break a bone, they'll have to very often set it so that it's right. And the Bible says very often you and I need to have something occur in our, our heart and life using the word of God. So we're set right. We're set right. And, and that's what God would want to have happen. Um, I used to be a pastor at a church uh, in Garden Grove. And uh, what happened is that, that I, um, I actually personally led this girl to the Lord who was very far from God. And she became a Christian and she got on fire from the Lord. And she started, I, I said, you got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. It's going to guide you. And she got to a particular passage. Uh, and what happens is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it says this. It says, God's will for you is to be holy. Stay away from all sexual sin. Well, she was living with her boyfriend. Matter of fact, she was living with her boyfriend in her mom's apartment. Her mom just was afraid of her. And so she never stopped her from having her boyfriend over and living there. And so she reads this passage. She's a brand new Christian. It says that each of you will control his own body and live in all holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. So she reads that and she's like, oh, and she goes to her mom we're not supposed to be living together and you're letting us live together. And her mom says, yeah, you're not supposed to be living together. And she goes, mom, how could you let this happen? And she goes to the guy and says, get it. You're not going to be in my bedroom and you got to find your own place to live. And so he's like, wait, what? She said, yeah. And she quoted the scripture to him. 
Well, the next Sunday at Garden Grove Christian Church, we always had a time we called prayer and praise time. And we said, hey, are there any praises? And she stands up. She said, I have a praise. God told me that I've been living in sexual sin, having sex with my boyfriend, living in, and I'm not supposed to anymore. And he's like, oh, and he's ducking down. The mom's ducking down. And I'm seeing some older people like, whoa, you know, and it was like, okay, the word of God. But the word of God sets things right. Uh, it sets things right. And uh, that's what we love. And then it's also for the training in righteousness for the training in righteousness. And God wants to train you to do the right thing. And he wants to teach you the right way to live. And, and God has that for you in every single way. And, and we, need to, we need to do that. We need to have that be what, what we do and so that we walk with the Lord in the right ways and the right times. Uh, Psalm 19, we're gonna jump to Psalm 19. And it says this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. I uh, have a dear friend. I actually haven't seen him in a long time. His name's Sam Maslamoni. Uh, Noah Sam, when he was uh, uh, in India, was a very, very devout Hindu. Um, he was from a very uh, um, well-off family, very wealthy family. But his dad had told him, you've got to go out and make your own living. And he went out, and by 18 years of age, he made his first million dollars. And he went to his mom and dad. He said, I made a million dollars. And his dad said, what took you so long? He's 18 in India. And he realized, I'm never gonna please my parents. And uh, the reason why is because of the Hindu religion taught that Sam was a cursed child. The Hindu religion teaches that if a child, the day a child is born, if something evil happens to your family, the child's the reason for it. The child's bringing bad karma into your family. So by the way, that makes it okay for them to abuse him because he's supposed to suffer for what he did in a past life. So he was very physically abused, mentally abused, never loved. And when his dad said that to him, he realized, I'm never gonna make it. I'm never gonna please them. I'm never gonna get out of this. So he thought the only thing he could do to get good karma for the next life was to end this life. He went to a very, very nice Hilton hotel, went up to the, one of the nicest rooms in the Hilton, went into the room, got out the pistol he had brought there ready to kill himself so he could end this life to go to the next one and try to get it right the next time. He got the gun out, was ready to pull the trigger. For some reason, Sam said, I don't know why I did it. I walked over, and before I killed myself, I opened the drawer of a nightstand, and there inside was a Gideon Bible. And he said, I don't think I'd ever seen a Bible in my life. And I got it out, and I started reading it. He started in Matthew chapter one. You know what's in Matthew chapter one? The genealogy. So-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. And guess what he did? He went, oh, this is a book about real people. And he couldn't believe it. And so he kept reading and reading and reading. And he sat and read from Matthew all the way till John chapter three, verse 16, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he started crying because why? The word of God was restoring his soul. Yeah, isn't that cool? And he ended up giving his life to Jesus. Uh, he ended up being baptized into Christ. He went, up, uh, went on to lead thousands of people. I'm probably underestimating to the Lord. By the way, he got a doctorate from Oxford and a doctorate from Harvard because he's not that smart. Um, it's a joke. Sam, it's a joke. And uh, he just went on to be an amazing guy. But it, you know what won him to the Lord? The Bible. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. It was sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierced to the division of the bones and the marrow. It came alive to him and made him come alive. And that's what God's word does. That's what God's word does. And by the way, what God's word teaches us is that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if anybody would open up to him, if anyone would open up to him, he would come in and he would dine with them. And by the way, you already probably know the word dines what? Fellowship with you. He would have a meal with you. Yeah. Spend time with you. It's personal. Yeah, in other words, he's sharing life with yeah. you in that very powerful way. Like when you go, you and I go out to eat, man, it's not about the food, it's about, about being together. About the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what the Lord said I want to have with you. Some of you tonight, the Lord wants to have that with you. But it says, interestingly, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. You got to open up. You got to open up. And how do you do that? Well, you pray a prayer. And you say to him, I want to give my life to you. I want to give my life to you. Would you pray right now for anybody who needs to make a decision? Heavenly Father, we believe that, um, like we shared tonight, that your word gives us everything pertaining to life. Mm. That's why we preach. That's why we share, because it, you do make a difference. I know there's people here that um, are solid in their understanding of you, but I also know that there's some that might have doubted uh, even their identity in you or your yeah. promises that you have for them. Um, there's people in here that are hurting, God, that um, somehow they're overwhelmed by their grief. They're overwhelmed by uh, their thoughts. And uh, I just pray that tonight they would know they have a God who sees them, who's for them. Yeah. I pray that you would draw near to those that have never really experienced you in a way that's real, where they're dining with you and they're spending time with you mm. in a way that's um, so real uh, that it's obvious, God. Uh, if, if, if they haven't, they would know, Lord. And I just pray that uh, they would see that, that you are for them. I ask, God, that those that might, might have walked in here tonight that maybe had the thought that, um, that you would never be able to forgive someone like them. And uh, I pray that they would know that nothing could be further from the truth, that there's no sin, no hurt, nothing, nothing that um, what you did on that cross on that day uh, didn't accomplish, that you forgave us and forgave us completely, and that you would save anyone that would just put their faith in you. And I pray, God, that maybe there are people in here that when they've opened up the Bible, it's stale, and it's not... Uh, it's not active and living, and that might be because they've never received you as their Lord and Savior. I pray, yeah. God, that today you would enlighten them, that you would open up their heart and their mind uh, to the truth of who you are, Lord. And I pray that because of that, that the word does become living and active in their lives. I just pray, God, that you would draw those near that don't know you, those that need to come back, or maybe those that need to get baptized, Lord. I pray that you would just encourage them to come forward and do that tonight. Father, I think maybe tonight, too, you had Noah share the story of his brother. Because there's someone here who's suffered loss. They're grieving. They've even gotten mad. But Lord, it's time for the healing to come. 
doesn't mean the tears are going to stop. It means the healing's going to come. I pray, God, that they would, they would call out to you now. I pray for people who are just not close to you anymore. They'd come back. Jesus, you always want them back. I pray for people here who there's something they've been convicted of and they haven't, they haven't let go and said no to it. I pray they're going to come because your word says to, and it's going to restore their soul. It's going to really restore their soul. And if that's you, whether here or online, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. And I pray you'll forgive me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain and even a broken heart. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. If that's all you can say, so those words, I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And in the Bible, Jesus said these words you, that you need to confess him before men. That's why we ask you, if you pray that prayer, to let us know you prayed that prayer. If you're online, text AMEN to 77247. Don't hold back. Right away, do whatever you can. Text AMEN to 77247. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.